I did a Game of Thrones rewatch a couple years back when we had a treadmill. And I basically like I, every episode, like I think the first season of or the first episode of one of the seasons was really, really good. And like then the ending like hits you with the like a really good, powerful Game of Thrones theme remix. Uh, and and like I was so hyped to like crank the speed up to seven, just just ran through the credits. I was like, no, that's how, that's how you do it, boys. There, there, there's some uh, television music that is good for it. It's good for, I've, 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 I'm doing a rewatch right now of the Mandalorian and man, the score on that is just fantastic. Just it's, it, it's thrilling. It's got a Western kind of theme to it. So that helps me like, I'll write while I'm listening to the Mandalorian theme music. And that helps because I'm writing a Western and it's it, it's also great exercise music because you feel like you're walking down a dusty road and somebody might some scug hole might come around the corner try to shoot you with a laser or something. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad. I've still not seen the Mandalorian. <laughs> I've heard it's good. I've heard I'd probably like it. Like the trailer from the trailers I've seen, I'd probably like it. I'm just it's not. It's I don't know. I haven't had that that urge to go into it. I've had a couple other series that I've been going through. If there's if there's any selling point to you, most of the episodes are under thirty minutes, and that's not that's not too bad for me. I did, uh, and there's only eight episodes, and most of them are only about a half hour. Yeah, I'm doing a a community first to rewatch the first two seasons, and now I'm into season five um, for community because and because I never got past season two. Well, shit. Let's start the show, and then we'll talk about this. Yeah. Oh yeah, media. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome everybody to this episode of Media Sandwich Reheated with Chris, Kyle, and Dan. Uh, I I am not Kyle or Dan. I I am not Chris or Dan. I'm usually Dan, but sometimes I'm Daniel. I don't know why we did this Schrodinger's cat version of our introduction. I I am neither Chris nor Dan, which means I am both. Living Dead and Kyle. We are we are the uh you know the Titanic had the, the musicians playing as the boat sank. So we're we're the comedians being goofy as the country dies. Boy. Yeah, let's let's start with a as a, a very serious, obvious uh racist get fucked. All up in the butt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty easy for three white guys to say this, uh, but uh, ra- racism be bad, and y- you know it might be controversial of me to say this, but fuck fuck racism. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's it feels so hard because I know that it is so weak coming from someone like me who is a a, a white guy, a straight white guy. A Christian straight white guy uh, in America to be like, yeah, all those bad people, fuck them. But it's like, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, as as weak as it might feel coming from us, it's much weaker of us to not say anything. So I suppose you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to be very careful on my social media on Twitter, I, I said after a couple days, basically at like two thirty in the morning, trying to be like, okay, I'm like in the middle of the night, 
not that I'm hiding myself more like I'm not trying to be a highlight. I'm just like, I'm, you know, if anyone's curious, I'm, I am watching, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm being aware and I'm, I'm mostly just being attentive, not, not trying to be the center of attention, not trying to have the hot take, not trying to say or do anything that puts, puts on me, but more like, okay, I'm just here. If anyone's curious and it's not about me, I am listening and I'm paying attention so that like I'm, I'm here and doing what I know I can do at the moment. And that's kind of how I feel with it is like, I'm not, uh, I'm not the voice people need to hear right now for sure. I have a little bit of the, uh, you know, I, I don't know of a good example of what mutant, but you've got the mutants in, in Marvel comics that look really weird, you know, like Beast and Nightcrawler and whatnot. And then you've mm-hmm. got the mutants that, if they're not using their powers, can pass for normal humans. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of animosity there where, like, the humans that can pass for normal humans are fighting for mutant rights. And, you know, the Beasts and the Nightcrawlers are like, dude, you know, shut up. <laughs> you could just hide it much better than we can so you know me being jewish i'm like oh they'd totally kill me if they could i I feel like i want to be scared and be angry and at the same time it's not about me but you know i like to to think of my grandfather who was a rabbi and he actually um marched with Martin Luther King Jr. at one point. And there's this great story where uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was marching and they called a bunch of rabbis. You know, just they opened up the phone book and they're, no, no, no. They, they, they <laughs> thought it would be a good show of solidarity of, you know, these two minority groups. And the rabbis were, you know, very much of the mindset of, you know, first they came for these and then they came for me. And so mm-hmm. everybody was... Um, together on this but of course my rabbi or <laughs> my rabbi my grandfather had uh, a family and you know he so he wanted to participate but also he didn't want to get eaten by the dogs and, and hit by the water hose so he you know he went to the back of the line and he was like you know I'm here but I'm not in the front because I want to I want to be safe, but I want to show my support. It's it's a happy medium. Mm-hmm. And when they got ready to do the march, they said, all right, let's do it. And they did an about face. And there he was at the beginning of the line. And <laughs> he was marching right there with uh, Martin Luther King. And then, of course, they, you know, the, the police dogs came and the hoses came and he ended up getting arrested and put in the same jail cell as Martin Luther King. So he's like, well, that kind of backfired but i feel good about the moral choice i made so it's all right so there's there's a nice little anecdote for you that's quite a story i've not been in any of the protests um i just don't feel like i'm i don't know i don't feel like i'm the right person to be in there at the moment um and Portland's Portland's weird compared to the rest of the country, I suppose, like Oregon in general. But not saying that Portland is a safe haven. It's clearly not. But oh no, Portland, in fact, is one of the more racist cities in America. I would say. 
it's a sneaky sort of thing. And I tried to explain this. I think I've mentioned before, I explained to a coworker who came from the South and she's like, Oh man, they're so racist there. I'm like, well, I'm not saying that they're not racist there, but you need to realize that we're also like our city has a problem with race as well, except we, ours is sometimes worse because it's quiet and everyone assumes that there's no problems because it's quiet. Well, I can tell you, though, out here in the the suburbs of Portland, further out, we actually of the like five cities in the uh, metro area that had protests uh, my town, Forest Grove, is one, and I drove through it to pick up my kids today. Really? And it was absolutely lovely. Just, I want to say, maybe a couple hundred people, uh, signs. We have, Chris, you know this, of course, there's the gigantic flagpole right in the center of uh, the newer side of town. The biggest like the sh- flagpole ever. It's it's, it's a big. It's obscene. It's obscenely large, this United States of America flag that signals, hey, you're in Forest Grove proper. Here's where the one grocery store is. And from from there, you drive into Old Town. But right there where that flag is, people were amassed in a way that I haven't seen in this town since I lived since I moved here about five years ago. And it it just looked like everybody was doing great it looked like a good peaceful everybody's here you know with the same message with the same feelings with the same you know positive spirit you know people were cheering you know cars driving by were honking and people were waving good good hand gestures out the window uh (laughs) you're you're making the portland police's nightsticks rock hard with all this oh i know i know and i've heard some uh anecdotal stories of like apparently the portland police had a photo op in a park with a bunch of people where they all kneeled and then after the media had taken their photos and left then the police got up and started tear gassing everybody mm-hmm. which is like um, i don't doubt that and i also don't I don't like that. I feel like that's the sort of sneaky part of Portland that people don't like to acknowledge is that Portland is still a city with similar problems that are other cities. And sometimes Portland hides it. Well, and, that's happening in a lot of cities though. This, uh, this idea of the yeah. cops or the sheriff's department kneeling in solidarity for a photo and then getting up and launching tear gas or rubber bullets that's been happening all over the country. And it's, I think what that indicates is this, this is also a problem that's this, if, if you want to call it a war, it's a war being waged on social media and they have great, you know, counterintelligence on social media. There's, There's this instinct to to post one reality and then continue on with the status quo. And it's, you know, I mean, it was the same thing not too long ago. Uh, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the incident that that started it, but there was some rioting going on, uh, in an area and then 
right as it subsided, like the same week that things started where a bunch of uh, police departments were doing like a social media thing where they were, they were like doing a lip sync battle in every like cop car, every police station. They like, they were doing a whole, they were being goofy in a, in a way that was saying like, Hey, we're just like you. Oh, well, should we talk about fun stuff now? I like fun stuff. Fun stuff would be better. Um, uh, for let's let's start right out with a a bomb that we were talking about before we started the show. Uh, Chris, you you and I was gonna say I as well. Rewatching Community, you you said. Yeah, are, are you watching Community right now too? I am. I I am uh midway through season three right now on a rewatch, and this is my first time rewatching since the show originally aired and I never made it past season three because I dropped cable at that point. Yeah. I think the same kind of thing had happened with me where I saw season one and two. I had see, I have season one and two on DVD. So I know I at least watched through those and I remember liking community, but for some reason I think it must've been that we, I think the timeline is uh, Shrey and I got married and when we got married. We no longer had a cable plan and we like, well, why do we need this? Because by that point, Netflix had become a thing. So we're like, well, let's just do internet and Netflix, and we don't need a, we don't need cable anymore. So we cut that out of our life, and it was like, well, we lose, you know, the Office and and Community and and whatever other shows at the time, Parks and Rec that we had wa- been watching. Um, actually, not Parks and Rec. I'm, I'm forgetting that that was the first season of Parks and Rec where we were like, oh, maybe this isn't so good of a show. Came back later when it was really. <laughs> good. Um, yeah, the first season of that was rough. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's fascinating to watch. Like, I high recommend watching uh, Parks and Rec from the beginning so you can see how far you can go in a series and how 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 well you can course correct within a season. Um, but yeah, we like I remember liking season one and two of Community, and then I had stopped watching, and then I just started hearing from people that oh yeah, it's not good after that. You kind of watch the best of it. And having now rewatched through season four, um, I think people have been lying to me. At least there hasn't been consensus on when it got bad because season three was, yeah, season three was really good. And season three might've been my favorite so far and definitely had my favorite running like storyline they've had with um, the uh, air conditioner, the AC repair school. Yes, yeah. yes, the uh, yeah, the annex, yeah, yeah, which is such a. I mean, I love that they did a great job world building, and I love world building. And you're like, why would you need a world build in a community college show? And it's like, well, actually, they do a really good job world building this bonkers, weird world, and I was really digging it, especially by this finale of that season. I really liked how it all wrapped up together. Um, Troy is definitely. I think Troy may be my favorite character. Um, I mean, Abed's fun, but eventually he kind of wears thin. Well, I mean, I'll I'll say this, and I'm only about midway through season three. I I, I think the episode that I just watched today, I just finished the uh, Glee Christmas episode that they did for season three. So that's exactly where I'm at. And... (laughs) 
uh, first off, I love the fact that the show for the for its first couple seasons could not resist taking pot shots at Glee. It's yep. uh, it it's it's direct uh, time slot competition over on was it was it ABC that Glee was on? Let's uh, for, let's say it was. Yeah, why not? I didn't I didn't watch a stitch of Glee because quite frankly I thought it looked stupid. But the, the only the only thing I knew about Glee was what I gleaned from community making fun of it and the one <laughs> episode of The Office where they all gather to watch it but nobody's watching it because mm-hmm. they're busy doing their office stuff. Yeah. But I, I Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I don't know what season it would be labeled as but when i watched through community i got to the point where donald glover left and then maybe three episodes after that that's as far as i got i don't know what season is that that's season five Um, okay so i've seen three episodes of season five and then i season five is what i've heard is where most people um definitely hated it because there is a point where like um Donald Glover leaves right after Chevy Chase leaves the show. Well, and and also Dan Harmon got fired off the show for one season. So there's one season without the creator. Like he, my understanding, he was fired in season four, which I didn't feel as much as people said watching it through season four. It felt weird, but like different weird, I suppose. And then he got rehired for season five, but it was too little too late. And then he, I don't know if he was around for the season six, which was the Yahoo uh, streaming service, which was a big old oops. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he was he was in for that last season. Yeah. Uh, but that season, I mean, it's an abbreviated season, and it was the season that killed Yahoo screen or whatever it was called. It was the same length as the last two seasons. Season four, five, and six are all 13 episodes. Oh wow! I didn't realize. I I thought it was less than that, but uh, yeah, the Yahoo, yeah. Yahoo streaming service. It they spent a crap ton of money on on community, and then they, like no one knew what the heck they were doing. It was definitely a what time is it right now dot com sort of streaming <laughs> service. Does well, Yahoo think- still exist? Is that a thing? They do. Yahoo exists. I can probably Google them right now and find out. <laughs> the I I know because because I listen to McElroy family shows, particularly my brother, my brother and me. They use Yahoo Answer as a big piece of their show because they answer questions like like an advice show mm-hmm. off of Yahoo Answer. But Yahoo, I believe, as a company, doesn't really exist anymore. Like it it got like sold off as a subsidiary to something else, but Mm -hmm. Yahoo, like the websites exist, but they exist in the same way that AOL kind of exists where it's like, I wouldn't recognize it if you showed it to me right now, but it is still something. It's a link that works still. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. But yeah, no, that was a weird, weird way for that show to go out was, hey, there's this show. It's not quite a hit, but it's garnering this this small, loyal fan base because it's very strange. And then all sorts of upheaval with the creator's gone. Now he's back. 
half the cast is gone by the time it gets to the final season, which is on a streaming service from Yahoo. Yeah. Such a strange trajectory for a show that wasn't nearly as strange and different as they gave it credit for. It's just a sitcom. It's It's just a sitcom that's aware that it is a sitcom. That's pretty much it. It's very meta, and every episode is generally being a parody of some style of something, some some style of story. And they, you know, they've done a western, they've done a, a murder mystery, they've done a bottle episode. Um, they did the Christmas special. They did claymation and and puppets and and a video game episode. Like they, you know, they'll do something for everything more or less. And I like, I really like that. Yeah. In that they they because they experiment they're ex- it's very experimental like they're they're experimenting a lot with things and it's kind of a shame because you'll see an episode and you're like actually that style was really cool I wish they could do that again and you know they'll even admit like in the show like yeah like we can't do paintball again because we really we 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 can't top that and then it takes them a season before like okay we I think we could do paintball again <laughs> yeah and it's really weird to think that the the russo brothers came from this show directly yeah. into the marvel movies and what again weird trajectory for so many people involved like even donald glover starts as a writer on 30 rock that was i think his first big gig mm-hmm. when he when he was still going to like harvard he was living in the Har- no i guess he would have to be living in like the nyu dorms going to nyu some big school, but he he was a student and writing for Tina Fey's big, you know, her big blank check show. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, he's a lead character on a sitcom. And then suddenly it's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to become like one of the biggest rap stars on the planet. And then I'm going to be Lando Calrissian. Wow. A solid stand up. And, and oh yeah, and that even in between doing like, he did a couple of really good specials. I still need to see. I hear it's good. Yeah, and you know, I it's it's really weird rewatching around this time. I when the show first started airing, I think I was still the first season was my final year of college, and I tried showing it to as many people as I could. I was trying to prognosticate community as much as possible. And I was fascinated with Abed, of course, because, hey, a, a, a college kid who sees everything through a filter of pop culture, gee, what, an, what a hard sell that would be for me. But, you know, and then Troy, of course, hilarious. It was very fun to see Chevy Chase back in comedy doing good material for the first time in what felt like 20 or 30 years this rewatch i am so focused on yvette nicole brown uh you know some of the bit players like uh uh, oh god now i can't remember his name the guy who plays the dean oh man yeah uh i love that guy sean uh uh rash jim rash jim rash there we go like I, I'm so focused on the people that I wasn't focused on before, and I'm like, what a performance they're getting out of th- this bit player who's in every fifth episode or something like that. And yeah. Sky High, which also starred Bruce Campbell, which is just something I need to mention. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's camp. true. I like how Abed crosses over with Cougar Town. And, like, it's pretty much confirmed that he he's an extra in Cougar Town, but he's also, like, absolutely Abed. He's not Danny Pudi. He's 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 definitely Abed in this scene. And then like comes back to community and tells about the summer he spent on the set of Cougar Town, his favorite show ever. <laughs> that was another show that took a couple of shellackings from community was Cougar Town, mainly because of the name of the show, which that well, was that that was another they, fascinating they, show. They shared some uh crew i think or some some writers or producers something like that like there was a shared history there it wasn't like they they knew what was up and that's kind of why they they worked together and and you know gave gave them gave them shit well and cougar town was one of those shows where they executed that first season and then like realized in retrospect oh that's not what the show is the show is this and so they from what I've heard, I never saw a lick of that either, but from what I heard, they kind of had to retrofit the show to be what they discovered to be the actual heart of the show. And then by, by the time they figured that out, they're like, damn it. We named this show Cougar town. That has nothing to do with anything now. And it's a terrible title and it puts people off of it. And we we're just kind of saddled with it. And here we are. Yep. And that's that's such a quaint problem for a sitcom to have in like the shadow of, hey, Roseanne is back. Oh, crap. We had to fire Roseanne from Roseanne. What do we do? Um, It's the same show. We're just calling it the Connors now. Yep. It's like you can just do that now. It's crazy. There's nothing that you can't get away with now on television when it comes to that stuff. Her out of her own show, by the way. I never actually thought about that. Um, I think they just killed her off. Well, they actually killed her off in it? I'm pretty sure they actually killed her off, but I don't think they went into tremendous detail as to how she went. I think it was just like they come back from the funeral and it's like, all right, now we're uh, now we're a show where (laughs) where we don't have to pander to that kind of audience or whatever. I didn't I haven't watched any of that either since it returned because no, I don't I don't I don't think that I needed any more of Roseanne or the rest of the Connors. I I loved that original show. Mm-hmm. but I that didn't seem like one of the ones that needed to come back like 20 years later to me. Yeah, you're right. She did die in the show. Yeah. After the definitional show's lead character, Roseanne, they forced to face the daily struggles of life in their home. Yeah, they do that every once in a while. If, if, a, if a lead actor has to be written out of a sitcom, they don't hesitate anymore to kill them off. Like Charlie Sheen being killed off of two and a half men was a really big deal at the time because, hey, you know, he could always come back, right? No, <laughs> that was their signal of no, no, he cannot. <laughs> and I think before that, the only show that made a big habit out of it was MASH. And that was an easy show to kill people off in or just write them off as, hey, they went home. 
but the original colonel on mash uh they were like, okay, we're doing a whole episode where he got his orders and he's going home and it's a big goodbye episode. And then at the tail end of the episode, it's like, oh, by the way, his plane crashed in the sea of Japan. He's fucking dead. Deal with that shit. Yep. And apparently it was behind the scenes. It was a big middle finger to the actor because he got into, he got into it with somebody and they were like, here you go. Now you can never come back. So good luck. <laughs> and I don't think they ever did that with any other character on that show. Every time somebody left from then on, it was okay. They're going home or like the one guy, Oh, he went crazy. So they had to ship him home and he's gonna, he's actually getting promoted even though he's a jackass, mm. but they never killed anybody off after that because it was, so brutal and he didn't know about it until it like aired or something like that and they didn't do any of that on community except with chevy chase interesting enough yeah well and i hear that that's like dan Harmon actually regrets kind of the way that they they had their tiff because i know that chevy chase sounded like he was a real jerk to work with which i'm shocked really well, he's, he always has been, though, from what I've read and heard. He, like, there's that famous story of how he quit Saturday Night Live after the first season because he's like, I'm going to go off and be a movie star, and you guys are screwed because this show was the Chevy Chase show, and because Lorne Michaels didn't see it that way, well, goodbye, you know, good luck, you know, floating without me. Cut to, like, 75 years later, and that show's still on the air, but... Apparently he came back the next season to be the host and it was supposed to be a big like bridging the gap like, okay, yeah, I left and it wasn't pretty, but we're all friends, right? And he showed up and acted like he he was the celebrity guest and acted like they were lucky to have him and acted like he was above doing any of it. And apparently Bill Murray like punched him in the mouth or something like that. Yeah. Bill Murray's stories always kind of at the end, you're like, you know, I think I like Bill Murray a little bit more now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, he's, sorry I was quiet. Effects. I was listening the whole thing, but apparently my three-year-old daughter thought that, oh, what is this, 10.30 at night is a good time to sneak into her sleeping brother's room, take all of his toys, bring them into her room, and smash them on the floor. The heist of the century. <laughs> yes, she is absolutely the worst. Just to see the burn. Yeah, Lily's at that stage too, where she now knows that she can totally like piss Charlie off, and it's clear that she starts to do it now. Where she'll like, oh, if I take this thing, he'll hate that, <laughs> and he'll scream and chase me, and then I will get a rise out of him. It's like woof. This little girl is devious and diabolical. Uh, let's talk about cheeseburgers. Somebody said to talk we about cheeseburgers. Think, yes. Uh, a, uh, on Twitter, we got uh, Jazz Funk Fusion Lasagna uh, oh. at Quantum Lasagna. Lasagna. Uh, they had, they <laughs> said, give us a topic, and it said cheeseburgers. And I actually thought we should revisit the best 
fast food ever from uh, number answer because I think our opinions have probably shifted quite drastically since then. I know mine has. I, if I remember uh, how it went, it was something like, I like McDonald's, I said. And then Dan's like, I really like Burger King. It is what I sound like. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and Kyle, you liked something else. Was it Taco Bell? I think I tried to argue for Taco Bell, which I I would have stood by a lot uh, for a couple of years after that. Not so anymore. I have, in fact, shifted on that. I have. Yeah, there's been radical shifts in my fast food tastes and preferences. Mainly, I find McDonald's abysmal and disappointing because they were the chosen one and they they messed it up. Man, they like I was at the time, and if we remember back the good old days and our answer when we had all the answers, I pointed out that McDonald's had the dollar menu. It was perfect because I could go there with a dollar and get all these items, and it was so simple to get all these different things for a dollar. And now the only thing I know of on the menu that's a dollar is any size fountain drink, which is still okay when I'm like, I need just a bunch of Dr. Pepper right now. <laughs> But now you're it's like, like on fire. Just, you're like, ah, I need to put this out. Water would work, but Dr. Pepper would be better. Chicken sandwich anymore. McChicken sandwich is like, I don't know, like two bucks unless you get two. Then the second one's a dollar. Same with like McNuggets and and with uh, with a you know a McDouble and and like even a cheeseburger. How much a cheeseburger? Like I don't know. I don't know their prices. They change like each one. Like what is your dollar menu? Like oh, they have the buy one get one for a dollar menu now. Like, no. And then they had the, the one, two, three dollar menu, which was super confusing. So I'm like, what, what is that? I'm sure they, they probably took a bath on that because it was just like, what, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Since then, I have now shifted. Now my main fast food of choice has become Burger King. And I, Ooh, I'll, tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because tell they send out the most ridiculous ridiculously good coupons in the mail oh, where it's like my song, man. they're like they I, I get the ones because i like uh i love burger king's chicken sandwich uh much more than mcdonald's mcchicken sandwiches because they're bigger and they're juicier and i like them and it but they're expensive they're like seven dollars for one of those sandwiches just the sandwich alone but you can get a coupon that for like $6 or $7, you get two of the sandwiches and two small fries. And I'm like, that's just a preposterous deal. Thank you. Yeah. No, you, you're yeah. absolutely right. I Those coupons, you know, I, I discovered a while back that I have this weird, it, it's not sexual, but I'll call it a fetish because it's naughty, where I like to have a bag of burgers. Like, growing up, it was always just you get a burger, and that's your burger, and there you go. And if you're at a barbecue, maybe you can have two, but that's about it. But when you get the coupon from Burger King where it's, like, two Whopper Juniors and two small fries for three ninety nine, and, of course, yeah. Oregon has no sales tax, so you're like, that's all you're paying. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to even get a third Whopper Junior, just the sandwich, and I'm going to have two fries, and I'm going to have three burgers and i'm just gonna sit there and eat and and be just greasy and and love it and oh boy nobody knows that i do that but i do that 
now we all know. Now you all know, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> I was going to say, especially now that I have a family, I will uh, advocate for the Burger King because I've got my, my kids are real picky eaters and they love they love a happy meal because, well, toy and because nuggets and because chocolate milk. Yeah. But uh, Burger King is that that's that's one for the books in terms of finances, too. Because we've got a store out here in my direction that'll do two Whopper meals for $10. So that's me and my wife covered. And yes. then they do 10-piece nuggets for a buck fifty. So <laughs> that, that... Yeah, so th- ten, 10 nuggets, and then you get two value fries and two value drinks for the kids. You're talking the whole family's eating for under 15 bucks or something like that. It's yeah. nuts. I love I, it. I I got really into the nuggets because when they added the nugs, they're like, "Yeah, we got nugs, ten for a dollar." I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me!" And I go in, and they're like, "Yeah, ten for a dollar or twenty for five. I'm like, "I will get two tens, please." And you could just hear them on the other side, like, "Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you get two tens instead of <laughs> like?" Oh no, yeah. he knows math. Oh no, he's figured us out. So I'd get that. And then I noticed after a few months, they changed it to a dollar fifty for 10. And mm. clear like that people were taking advantage of that. Cause first they had just the nuggets and they had also the spicy nuggets. And now um, recently I've been going and they have eight piece for a dollar. So they're, they're trying to find that sweet spot. And it's clear that they don't know where it is, where they gave too much too soon. Like we can we can't afford to give away a nugget every 10 cents. <laughs> we need our profit margins are razor thin here. And they had to like quickly like get on that. Like we ain't got chicken for days. Pull it back. <laughs> They're like, okay, we're going to raise the prices. And people probably revolted like, no, no crap. Okay. We got we to gotta move it back. It feels like it's what Hershey did way back in the day where Hershey was adamant. Like our Hershey bars are 10 cents. So we will give you a Hershey bar that's still 10 cents worth of our chocolate. And over the years, they refused to change the price while all the other candy bars were changing price around them. But Hershey's got smaller and smaller until they finally looked at them and they were like the fun size. And they're like, what are we doing? And they finally caved and they they changed the price and put the size back to normal. And that was it's like, wow. It's a weird, weird world out there for for capitalism. Yeah, it's like they don't they just want to get to the point where they don't actually give you anything, but still you pay them. I mean, yeah, digital media, man. (laughs) You get people producing content, sure. But as long as we're not moving away from Burger King and I I want to talk more about Burger King because you were talking about how our tastes have evolved back in the day when we were recording No Right Answer, I made the argument that Burger King is, in fact, friend of the Jews. And <laughs> this is because Burger King is the only fast food place where the burgers, come, or at least the Whopper, uh, comes default without cheese. And you have to add it. And at other fast food places, you know, the burger flippers are so used to putting cheese on that even if you ask for it without cheese, they'll still put it on because they honestly do not care. But with Burger King, they're used to not putting cheese on it, and it costs more to add it. So if you don't say, I want cheese, they're not going to give you free cheese. 
That's where the phrase you want that extra cheese comes from because they don't give it to you. So here I am enjoying Burger King. But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, I feel a little guilty because I know they're like killing the Amazon to, you know, graze the cows. And then comes the impossible Whopper. And I'm like, no, Amazons were killed in the making of this burger. I feel super guilt free. And of course, person's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want an impossible Whopper. And I'm like, you want cheese on that? And I go to instinctively say no. And then I realize, wait a, wait a fuck. I can say yes. <laughs> Isn't that great? And so at, at you know, 30, I have my first cheeseburger and I see what everybody's talking about. It's delicious. <laughs> here's, here's a question. Um, that uh, there's here's a new angle for a question I've asked before because I've heard that uh, scientists and researchers have figured out how to grow meat now because um, they they can clone they can clone meat so basically they can clone the 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 meat like the like the burger parts of a cow so in essence it's still real cow it's still real beef but there's no animal involved in it technically it's just the meat clone and i've had a lot of people like i would never eat a clone steak or clone burger and i'm like but like is that okay for vegetarian like does is that cool and now it's like is that like can you still eat kosher with a clone burger question mark i mean i guess it depends on who you ask and why you keep kosher you know in terms of who you ask there there's different sects of Judaism and you'd talk to a reform person and they'd say, well, you know, food keeps changing. And when we have Passover, you're not allowed to eat bread. We have all these alternative ways of making leavened food and you can get around it. So uh, this is probably along those lines. So yeah, it's fine. It's not actual animals. So it bypasses the whole, don't cook the mother's milk, the, the baby's meat in the mother's milk. So yeah, you're good to go. Um, and a lot of the kosher rules will say, like, you can't have something that's cloven hoofed or eats where it excrements or has doesn't have scales. Like, so the lab grown meat is like checking all the boxes like, yeah, we're good to go. We never had feet. So there's no hoof feet. Eat us. Um, but then in terms right, of but it's kind of a why in the egg thing, though, because it was cloned from something that originally did have hooves. Well, so... see, then it goes to the second part of who you ask. Um, or why you keep kosher, rather, because if you keep kosher as a strict, you know, oh, this was an animal and you're not supposed to have the milk and the meat together because the animal, the mother and the kid, yeah, it probably won't work. But if you keep kosher as kind of a a daily reminder of being different, um, it, it kind of it's very easy, especially in Reform Judaism, to say that you're Jewish, be a comedian, make the Jew jokes, but then they say, well, I don't go to synagogue, and I don't celebrate, and I eat pork all the time. Like, they're Jewish just because they say they're Jewish. They don't do anything different. But if you keep kosher, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's a, a thing that is always in your mind. And you're mm-hmm. always like, oh, I can't eat that because I'm kosher. It's like, why do you keep kosher? Well, because I'm Jewish. And it's like a little sacrifice you make that, you know, there's health benefits for sure. But it's more of a 
this is a choice I'm going to make to not just eat whatever's in front of my face. I'm going to try to be conscious about it and think about it. It's to... an act of penitence. Yeah, it's an penitent act of penance. Penance. You're not whipping yourself, but it's just something. So if you're doing that, I don't know. I think eating the lab meat... Oh, God, I heard a crash upstairs. What are my kids doing? I think the lab <laughs> might... Uh... They got a hold of some of that lab meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tricky thing. I mean, yeah, on a moral scale, it's a tricky question. On a scale of will it cause, like, you know, a, a weird zombie apocalypse or something, that's where I tend to lean towards don't eat it. Because <laughs> that's, that's how a lot of bad horror movies start is, hey, tainted meat. Tainted meat can can ruin the world, and who knows what they're shoving into lab meat. I mean, tainted meat ruins a party, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a pretty good, uh, what would that be, like a grunge band? <laughs> tainted meat? <laughs> tainted meat. That is a Show good me. band name, actually. Uh, and in terms of uh, just talking cheeseburgers, I will say that my new favorite uh, way of consuming the 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 sandwich of grilled meat and toasted bread is uh, I I've just been making a lot of burgers at home, mm. especially with, you know, quarantine and whatnot. I've been going out a lot less than I used to. And uh, my, my wife bought a new griddle which is it's it's an invaluable tool for my wife is Mexican. So we have to put a lot of things on a griddle. A lot mm. of a lot of homemade tortillas are made on that griddle and mm. those are delectable. Oh, yeah. But and, and there's and oh, they're so easy. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're all you need is the the cornmeal and water and salt and you're pretty much good to go. And it tastes oh, so I much could better. Be bad to go. <laughs> but yeah. i i said oh a griddle hey i don't have any propane for my grill downstairs and we've actually we're just now getting out of the crappy weather here in oregon like we still get a rain every week or so just to remind so, us yeah <laughs> just to remind us that the world still sucks but oregon yeah, so I, I've been cooking burgers inside on a griddle, and I, a couple years back, got the Bob's Burgers cookbook. Mm. So I've been experimenting with that and having a ball, and I've been doing everything. I've been doing turkey burgers. I did, I did do pork patties. I, you know, and I'll do everything from pre-made to I'll, I'll just get a pound of meat and I'll make my own. I have not ground my own meat yet, but that's the next step. That's uh, the slippery slope on the burger train. And now I'm mixing metaphors because now I'm hungry <laughs> and I want a burger. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. Yeah, that's the, the according to the Bob's Burgers book. And, and of course, even from the pilot episode of Bob's Burgers, grinding your own meat. That's that's the thing. That's how you get a lot of great flavor. And, I would think so. And you know, a griddle is a grill is great. Grill is great for that outdoor, you know, that outdoor feeling and that char 
on it that gives it that, you know, picnic feel and taste, but a griddle cooks it so evenly that it's just perfect. So I've been enjoying myself with that and just goofing off with different ingredients. Like I, I did do something of a teriyaki burger. Uh, my wife loves pineapple, like on pizza, on, you know, on anything. So I, I did do a canned pineapple cause we've got all, all these, uh, panic buy quarantine canned food stuff sitting around. I'm like, well, <laughs> Canned pineapple, hell, that's a perfect size for a burger, isn't it? Yeah, the teriyaki burgers with the pineapple are delicious. They are. And, you know, I I can do I can do almost anything and if it's if it's an interesting combination, I'm happy with it. But that's that's always the best option for me, I think, is just the homemade cheeseburger. Well, you know, over Memorial Day weekend, I went to the grocery store because I wanted to see humanity die. And I, <laughs> I was in the meat section and I'm looking at the ground beef. And of course, there's signs saying only take one, kiss your ass goodbye, you know, all the normal stuff. But you know, yeah. the, <laughs> the new normal yeah, stuff, the normal stuff. But, you know, I'm looking at the ground beef and it's like, I don't know, three fifty a pound because they're the supply is low and they're like, we're trying our best for sales. Um, and then I look over at the Beyond Beef pre-made patties and it was like four fifty for a pack, but it was buy one, get one free. And so hey. I did a little did a little math. I'm like, it's cheaper to get the fake meat. So I, <laughs> I got got those and brought them home and did what you did, Kyle. I got I cooked them on the grill with teriyaki and then afterwards you give a little pineapple on it it's it's lovely and then now i see they've got the impossible meat in the grocery store too the rival Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah but they don't preform it they give you like here's a block of ground beef wink wink uh and they they do it it in a couple of different styles because they also do it as like here Here's be you know uh, impossible or beyond. I forget which one does it, but they'll be like, here's here it is as pork sausage. Ah, uh, wink, wink. Yeah, and, no, that's and beyond brown turkey or something. Right. So the beyond has got the different like this one's a burger patty and this one's a pork sausage and this one's your mom and and they're all great, but <laughs> the impossible all they have is the block of ground beef, and I wonder if that is hurting them and i don't know because they already have the deal with burger king maybe they're just like sitting in the bathtub full of money thinking you know we don't even care but it makes me want to do to the impossible meat what i would do with normal ground beef which is you mix breadcrumbs and worcestershire sauce and egg you know you make it your own ground beef mixture and whereas the beyond beef patty you're like well it's already burger shaped i don't want to mush it up and have to reform it so you're kind of locked into what Beyond Beef is giving you, where it's impossible. You can oh, make yeah. it. Work. That's so an interesting idea, but I, I also wonder. I also wonder if all the ingredients that they have in there to make it to give it ground beef consistency will all of that hold together with your added ingredients the same way. Well, that's what the like, egg and the, the uh, breadcrumbs are for, as like a. a lock in the the structure type thing oh sure sure yeah i do that a lot as well i uh 
I, I actually work with ground turkey a lot more than I do ground beef anymore. I think it's just it's easier on uh, our stomachs and, you know, it's, it's a little less fat. I don't really worry too much about fat because fat, you know, burns off a lot better than sugar. I, I became a big yeah. proponent of uh, what, what was that documentary? It was uh, uh, crap. I can't remember the name of it. But what, one of those like look at the food industry, holy cow, kind of documentaries and it was <laughs> <laughs> one of those ones one of those yeah. like look look at the crap you're buying how terrible it is shame on you you're an idiot documentaries and it... <laughs> well this one worked on me and it actually gave me some of my best nutrition lessons namely hey hey stop buying crap in the grocery store that says fat free on it because if it's a dairy product or a meat product or anything that says fat free they're replacing the fat with sugar and it's no good and yeah, since then, since then i've been drinking whole milk because we had to get whole milk with uh, when the kids transitioned from you know from breast milk to whole milk and we just never went back because we're like whole milk tastes really good, and really good. If you've grown up on skim milk, mm, get oh, that man. whole milk, baby. I got skim milk by accident a couple of months ago. Like I don't remember the I don't remember the circumstances, but I ended up with skim milk, and I'm like, this is disgusting. It's yeah. <laughs> it's so clear. It's weird. It's like that a cow mood next to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like all those jokes about how Lacroix are taste are taste like the flavor was like blown at you through some ice or something. Oh, it's Lacroix <laughs> milk flavor. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Only, only it's with a bunch of sugar in it. That's terrible. Well, I grew up with 2%, but then when I was like buying my own groceries, I stepped down to 1%. And then I tried 2% again. I'm like, oh, this is just melted ice cream. <laughs> I, I did uh, I did 2% when I was a kid. And then when my mom became diabetic, she shifted us to skim milk. And I suddenly hated milk again. <laughs> um, and then when we, when Shrey and I got married, I was like, we're getting milk. And we're like, screw it. We're going whole milk. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't screwing around. We're going all the way, baby. And uh, man, that was a good choice in my life. <laughs> Next step is you won't even pasteurize it, just like straight from the cow. Am, am I the only one who, uh, when we were just a couple, we would go through a gallon of milk, and it would take us like two weeks, and we might have to like give it a sniff before finishing it off, and then suddenly we had kids. And now a gallon of milk will last roughly a Saturday. We, we go in waves with our milk. Um, usually if we get a, like a, a half gallon, it lasts for two weeks. If we get a full gallon, it's out in half a week. Mm -hmm. and, and other times, um, it depend, usually it depends because I'm actually the one in the house that uses the most milk because I love cereal and I'm always asking for cereal. And I have particular types of cereal I love more than others. So if we have that type of cereal that I really love, I'm like, oh, I got to get a bowl of that. You know, this is my this is my breakfast and this is my good night. I'm going to bed with sugar rush cereal. <laughs> By the way, new favorite cereal. Oh, my gosh. It's um, it's Lucky Charms Frosted Flakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. 
Oh my gosh, it's good. It's like, now with three unicorn marshmallows, I'm like, hold on, hold on. You didn't have to try to upsell me with the unicorn marshmallows. You already put marshmallows in Frosted Flakes. Give me a chance to process this first and then introduce the, the unicorns. It's like a bloodstream taco Taco Bell combination where it's both restaurants together, or did did one of those cereals just decide they were going to plagiarize the other? No, it's it's they're they're together. It's you know it's lucky decided that it's great, and so it's uh, and it really is. I'm like yes. (laughs) Although my favorite favorite cereal of all time is still Oreo O's. (laughs) All those were good. That that was the going over to another kid's house for a sleepover and holy crap, their parents are cool cereal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things to do is to go to Grocery Outlet because they always have some cereals that are weird. And I actually, last time I was on Grocery Outlet, like this is right at the start of the, the, the lockdown. So, you know, had to start going to Grocery Outlet more often to see like, because they had a little bit like a better selection of some of the essentials. And I go in there and I'm, I just kind of walk up to the cereal aisle and I just, before I looked in, I said, all right, grocery outlet, give me something stupid weird. And I walked in <laughs> and the first thing I see is Sour Patch Kids cereal for 50 cents. I'll get one of those. And, hey, it's not bad, actually. It's not. It's funny that I'm like checking out and the, and the, the checker, she's like, oh, uh, tip for that. Don't drink the milk. <laughs> oh, God. He's like, it's really good, but don't drink the milk. Like, oh, good tip because that uh, you got to drink the milk. Uh, I I do have to recommend that anybody who actually finds this conversation terrific, like I do, and also for you, Chris. Uh, there's a podcast again, McElroy family. Uh, one of the McElroys does a podcast called The Empty Bowl, and it's just a cereal podcast. But it's like also done in a tone that's like meditation, chill out music. Like it's very like if Deepak Chopra did a podcast about eating breakfast cereal, that's the tone. But nice. the, and and they review like specialty flavors. It's one of the McElroys, and then it's uh, this guy who has been running a cereal blog for years, and he's just a cereal historian. Like he'll re- he'll recall a cereal that was limited edition in 1998. It, it's 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 a really interesting listen, and also it gets you going for like I'm gonna go to the store and try that. Like they got me into the they did a limited run of Hostess brand flavors, so they did like Honey Bun, Twinkie cereal. Yeah, th- those were interesting. I. Uh, uh, I tried the Pop Tart cereal based on that, and I found that to be delightful. I saw that at Grocery Outlet. Oh man, we, I got a good Grocery Outlet. I want the <laughs> oops, all chocolate. I want the donut berries. I want just the weird oh, word man. diarrhea Listen. that they put together. Yeah, buddy. There was a cherry chocolate something or other that happened back. It was like a Valentine's Day related special. It's madness. Unicorn. It was pretty good. <laughs> One of these days, they're going to make that cereal that Calvin and Hobbes used as a parody. What is it? Chocolate Frosted Sugar Bombs? We basically have that, though. 
I think the only reason that they haven't actually done that with Calvin and Hobbes on the on the box is because no Calvin and Hobbes merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Watterson had integrity. Yeah. As as soon as as soon as uh that that piece of Calvin and Hobbes legislation dies out, we'll end up with uh, sugar frosted sugar bombs or whatever. I mean, we'll get the equivalent of uh, the peanuts, um, the sad Charlie Brown tree. Let's not forget that the the original Charlie Brown Christmas special. The point at the end was materialism isn't everything. We needed to realize the real meaning of the season. And now, like, you can buy Charlie Brown's crappy little dead tree for fifteen dollars. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, it's, the, it's the Peanuts characters are one of the weirdest licenses ever. Like, didn't Dairy Queen have the Peanuts characters for the longest time as their uh, people? Like, I think for Dairy Queen, MetLife, they still are with MetLife, pretty sure. That's they, a really weird combination. They had a run at Knott's Berry Farm. I don't know if they're still there or not. I think they are. Oh, right. Yeah, it's such a weird world. Well, not for much longer. Yeah. But I gotta try the pop I need a Pop Tart cereal before before the fire starts again. Well speaking Here's of a, fire, uh yeah. Dan, you mentioned that you had like three shots of whiskey the other night. Yeah, I bought the from the rogue the rogue distillery. Uh it's the cherry bomb. It's a cherry flavored whiskey. And I thought that I could mix that with uh, Coke and make, you know, cherry Coke and rum or uh, cherry Coke whiskey. Rather. And it works. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I ran out of Coke and then it just kind of sat in the cabinet for a while. And and then everything happened. I'm like, I should probably drink. That's the end of the thought. I should probably drink. So I, you know, put everybody in bed. My wife had an early shift, so she goes to bed at nine, and the kids go to bed at eight thirty. And I'm just sitting down here at like nine thirty at night. So I take it out and I pour a shot and I drink it. And not so bad. And I take another. And not so bad. And I take a third. Not so bad. And it it never kicked in. Nothing ever happened. And I hadn't had a huge dinner. And I, I, I don't know. I think either. Does alcohol become less alcoholic over time? Is I think it becomes more alcoholic, Dan. <laughs> Am I in a... No, I don't drink a lot. I drink maybe like once a month. I, I think that that question he just asked indicates how little of an alcoholic he is. Yeah. <laughs> can alcohol go bad? I mean, I'm sure that's, that's bad, two different questions. I mean, maybe rubbing alcohol, but you're not supposed to drink that. Oh, I've got some diarrhea to have then. But <laughs> oh, it's it's pretty good. I you know, I've been trying to think whether I want to try single malt whiskey. Because everybody in movies is always like, Oh, single malt whiskey, look at you. And I'm like, is it good? Is it could I taste the difference? I, I don't know. And so I'm a little curious. Uh I'm not an expert, but I guess among the three of us I am the expert. Uh, <laughs> relatively speaking, I will tell you this. Uh, I mean, yes, yeah, si- single malt. Is, that's one of those phrases that you it's 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 a booze buzzword. It's a booze word. Uh, and it's it doesn't mean as much as you think it does. 
but yeah, I mean, there is a difference in taste. There's a difference in taste between like, if you get eight year old scotch, that's good. If you get 12 year old scotch, that is better. And it's a, usually it's a question of like smoothness. Like there, there are, there's booze that bites back. And then there's booze that like you, you take a, a gulp of it and it gives you a kind of a boomerang effect and you don't feel it for half a second. And then, then you realize, oh, hey, that went straight to my head. And that's usually the more expensive or more elaborate stuff like that. Again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know exactly what it means. And I'm willing to admit that. But it's one of those things where they'll put single malt on it. And it's it has less to do with the fermenting process as it is like, well, it's something we can put on the label. So you yeah. think age age of the whiskey or scotch or bourbon and god damn it, what's the difference? Is more important than how many malts are in it. Uh I mean, usually scotch is the only one where they where they really get into like the age thing. I think with bourbon, it's this is where this is where my brain starts to family because also I I'll I'll drink booze but I usually am a uh, not bottom shelf but maybe next to the bottom shelf guy so I don't I don't I don't mess with like the Johnny Walker Black Label or anything nice like that because that's that's too expensive for me but I mean it, there there's definitely a difference uh, in taste from. Like, I, I think uh, it was like a Mythbusters episode where they did try to do a taste test with vodkas and they went with like the bottom rung, like college plastic bottle HRD vodka all the way up to like thousand dollar a bottle vodka or something like that. And and the results were surprising. But generally speaking, yeah, it's like with vodka, the, the big thing is uh, how filtered it is. Mm-hmm. They like they like to talk about the filtering process with vodka. With with like bourbon, it it also this is this is this is where I I start to trail off and and speak in half sentences because I'm <laughs> I barely remember most of this stuff. I for a split second there, I was like maybe I'll maybe I'll be one of those uh, booze people who's really particular about their drinks, and I just didn't have the energy for it like for for instance my drink of choice is rum and a lot of people will cringe just hearing that no rum is great and putzers that's that's the rum for me or el dorado and i actually know those words so there you go oh yeah i uh for my birthday i bought myself a bottle of bacardi and enjoyed the hell out of that but uh this is actually going back to media and entertainment stuff. I've been on a almost exclusive pirate kick for the last like three, four weeks <laughs> in, in all forms. I, for starters, I, my, my, one of my favorite podcasts has been doing a month long, uh, weekly episode on each of the pirates of the Caribbean movies. So I've been rewatching those and listening to the podcast on those. I started watching cause I, I kind of accidentally signed up for stars. So I was like, well, I'll give black sales a try. 
And now I'm three, four seasons into that almost. And that's pretty decent. Uh, I, then I, I said, Hey, I want to replay Assassin's Creed black flag. <laughs> so, so I bought that on the switch and I've been playing that every chance I get. Cause that's the best Assassin's Creed game. I don't care who says what. And then to top it all off, I've been reading the kids treasure Island to go to sleep. Nice. So, so the only thing that was hard. missing was a big bottle of rum. <laughs> there you go. So do what is your, Oh, you said, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I got Bacardi for my birthday. That was a couple of months back now, but I recently have just been buying the same crapola that I drank in college, which is, it's a captain Morgan clone called Barbarossa. Mm. And it, it's bottom shelf stuff. Like a half gallon is like 15 bucks, but Oh man, I I also like for Christmas I got I got a soda stream machine, so I've been making a lot of seltzers. But I got root beer mix, and root beer and rum is fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, those pair very well together. So I've been I've been in pirate world pretty pretty nonstop lately. Is that next uh, West World? Was pirate world? Yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. I, I would, I would go to Pirate World if if Westworld was a thing. Once I was done with Westworld, because you know me, I'm a Western guy. Yeah. Well, my search for what the heck of a whiskey is a single malt whiskey will continue. But you know what? It is a good whiskey that is not fancy. It's Fireball whiskey, <laughs> which is like. Do you like cinnamon candy, but also don't want to think about stuff? Try this. <laughs> it's, it's I don't even like cinnamon candy, but somehow the pain from whiskey mixes with the pain of spicy candy and the sugar that they throw in just for the heck of it, because they had sugar lying around. And it's <laughs> so delicious. You remember, Kyle, um, the last Halloween when we were trick-or-treating two Halloweens ago, and we went yes. to that house of, like, the dentist, and the dentist comes to the door, and he's like, here, here's for the parents. And he had this big bowl of ice with little, like, airplane bottles of fire whiskey sticking out of it. He's like, yes, here's he for the did. parents. That and was, a, that was very fun. Uh, and also, uh, a friend of, friend of uh, ours had his birthday. He's, he's out in uh, Gaston, on a pretty big piece of property and he had his like 30th birthday a few years back and you know they you know mexican family so they they bought a piñata so the kids could hit a piñata and get candy and have a fun time at this adult's birthday party but he grabbed me and he said I got an adult piñata too and I'm like I got a little scared I'm like what's in an adult piñata and he said little <laughs> bottles of booze and scratch off tickets oh my god <laughs> Like that was great. That was fan. That was a good time, and uh, I made out like a bandit there. Lots of little bottles of like coconut rum and lots of Fireball because that's mm -hmm. it's a good little airplane bottle uh, taste. It just made me think of like the scene from Adam's Family Values. Like Lurch, did you cook the cake with the girl in it? Or like what's in an adult pinata? This is a stripper, <laughs> but don't hit it too hard. Oh no! Oh, God, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> well, we got oh. one more 
question. I say we go through one more question we got from Twitter, and then we wrap that up from there. Yeah, this totally. One, this is from our buddy uh, David Fleming, who asks, "What game or movie do you wish you could see or play again, brand new?" Which is a what's oh, a heavy question. Ooh, brand have enough fireball whiskey, you can achieve this goal with just about anything. <laughs> but just forget it. Game or movie. That's tough because I'm sure there are good options on both. It's yeah. tough. They have a lot of, like, with me, a lot of games that I've played, I can't think of needing to play them again for the first time because I feel like I still enjoy them just as much playing them now, mostly because the games that I enjoy are ones that have a lot of either replayability or just kind of a timeless feel, like, like Ocarina of Time, I can just replay as many times I want. Smash Brothers, like every new one is always like getting to play it again for the first time. But movies, I mean, I, I some of my favorite movies I would never have watched if it was you know a first time viewing. But like I think Ocean's Eleven, like the new Ocean's Eleven, would be really fun to to watch fresh for the first time. Yeah, yeah especially since the first time I saw that I was a kid. So yeah. I would love to watch that movie for the first time as an adult because I think I would I would have a better time with it than I did the first time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's a good pick. Uh, yeah, games are hard because some games, uh, all the best games usually get better with a replay, hence New Game Plus. But uh, yeah, I, I'll say this. In terms of which which game that I've enjoyed my whole life that I would I would love to see with fresh eyes now, I was so surprised by uh, uh, Wing Commander Three: Heart of the Tiger. Mm. It's a game that I bring up a lot because it was my uh, this game was the reason why I bought a PlayStation One because mm-hmm. I already had a sixty four and as much as I loved Goldeneye. There was no way that I could really play Goldeneye with fresh eyes because it came out two years after the movie, which I had already seen a million times because I was a big Bond kid. Mm. But I I got a PlayStation 1 specifically so I could play this game. Wing Commander I knew nothing of because I remember I, I watched the Freddie Prince Jr. movie of Wing Commander and it was, good lord, it was that was piss. That was that was just the worst. But I saw on the cover, okay, it's Wing Commander 3. Okay, but on the cover is Mark Hamill and a big cat person. And I didn't know anything. So I was just like, I'm in. I'm in. And, you know, it almost qualifies as being a movie and a game that I would love to see with fresh eyes. Because the cast on it is amazing. I didn't know at the time as a kid, but I'm like, good Lord, the number of character actors that they have in this uh, full motion video video game <laughs> that like like Malcolm McDowell's in it. Uh, they, they have a pre-fame uh, Josh Lucas, I think it is. Uh, you know, Th- Thomas Wilson from the Back to the Future movies is in it as his rival. It's an amazing cast of character actors all in this game where it's just a a space flight simulator, like a TIE fighter, but you're flying against giant cats and there's a giant cat 
who is on your team and Mark Hamill's just talking to this guy in a giant cat costume and everyone's taking it so seriously and it's the production values of a full-length film and it's it's an amazing experience especially if you have no idea what you're going into <laughs> it's uh, i love that game that's one of my favorite games of my life i think and also mark hamill rules so you know he does that sounds like it would be good to revisit with fresh eyes just to see the cat suit and mark hamill like what am i watching or play well and well and on top of that it's also just a terrific space battle you know game and those don't exist anymore we don't get like very detailed space flight simulators like that anymore i think i think a couple of the games i i would like to replay ones with really good stories that had good twists in them or like where i was engrossed so like the first bioshock would be really cool to replay oh yeah that'd be a good one but that one's a really well told story and like atmospheric and all that. And also Horizon Zero Dawn is really, really good. And yes. I was really enthralled with that story. Um, I'm happy the more people are going to get to play it. Mean, is it out yet on PC and all that? I know there's a huge stink with people like, oh, that's supposed to be a Sony exclusive. Like, dude, this is a really good game. Like, let them have this. Mm-hmm. Like, the more play this, the better. Because that, that was one of the few stories that I've listened, like I've, I've played through and I remember the feeling where I'm like trying to uncover what is like, how do like what happened to the world? And it's like, Oh, here's why the world's like this. Like, how do we get out of this? Okay. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to finding out. And then like, at one point, like, by the way, here's what project zero dawn is. And I'm like, Oh, mm, I don't think I like that anymore. And it was harrowing where I, I finished the game and I was at, it was really strange that I had uh, went into the final mission of that game with zero questions left. Like they had somehow answered every single question I had or could have had. And I, I ended up like, huh, well, the final mission is just like, and now go just conclude it, I guess. Like go put a period at the end of this sentence. Like, oh, okay. That's kind of the way the ending of uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2 was for me, where it was like uh, kind of an, I, I won't even say in a negative or positive way, but it was an exhausting moment of you get to this final confrontation and a lot of that game is dialogue trees mm-hmm. and you get to it. And it's just this dialogue tree where you get to ask about the detailed like rest of their lives for every single member of your party. And this character just gives you the rundown of, Oh, well he'll go back to his home planet and he'll enjoy the rest of his life as a farmer and settle down. And he'll think back on this whole, uh, this whole era of his life as just a series of crazy mistakes. Well, what about her? Well, she's actually going to die in a blaze of glory, but that's actually what she always wanted. That's why she came with you in the first place. For like seven characters. Hmm. And it's just like, by the end of it, you're like, you know, I I don't think I needed all of that. I don't think I needed to know that. <laughs> and, and by the time it's all over with, it's like, all right, now it's time for you to end the game. And it's like, eh, well, I mean, what's, what's left? <laughs> what's, what's left for me now? 
you've given me the end of everybody. I what what do I do now? Get on plays. I was gonna say Bioshock for a video game, but I think it's just because of the story, not necessarily the gameplay. So if we're focusing on story, I would and I'm gonna stretch the rules of this because they were very well defined, but I'm going to say the Marvel experience. I thought that All, too. Oh yeah, yeah that's a good that. idea. Because we live in an age where we take for granted the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But remember, back... I mean, yeah, you skip the Edward Norton Hulk because... Ugh. But you remember when Iron Man came out and you're watching this and you're like, this is a really good movie. Oh, he's doing a great job. And then you stay through the credits. And some people did already. And most people didn't know to do that back then. But then... And I remember watching it with, with my wife and... Nick Fury comes in. He said, I'd like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. And it was such a gut punch. Like, they are not going to do that. And then the movie ended. You're like, what? What just happened? And then they did I... four. And you've got the, the Agent Coulson part. And you're like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. And then they did another Iron Man because he was just too popular. And they mentioned, <laughs> you know, and the Hawkeye is there with the Thor one. And you're like, oh, they are building up to this. And then the original Avengers where they're all together and you're like, how could anyone ever have enough money to pay all these actors who let their own films to be in one film? And it was so amazing. And then at the end, Thanos smiles. And I look at, at Brie, my wife, and I'm like, did you just see that? And she's like, I have no idea who that is. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't have an idea? And, and then they kept going and here's more movies and here's Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was like, oh, it's Kirby up in this house. And then they, they keep doing it and then they do Civil War and Spider-Man shows up and you're like, Oh, I can't take it. It's too good. It's too good. And then they keep coming out with movies. And then they and then to to get into uh, not I mean Endgame came after Infinity War. Infinity War that was so amazing. You're like I can't handle it. And then it ends so sad. And you're like, what do you mean I have to wait one year? And then to watch Endgame and that final battle where you just it's so fun to look up the YouTube videos of people reacting to that scene. And just how happy they are. And to feel that for the first time again, I think, would be worth it. Just to go all the way through. That's a damn good answer, and I absolutely agree. <laughs> it's, yeah. I remember being in the theater as well, seeing Iron Man, the first one. Because I didn't really care about Iron Man um, when the movie was announced. And my roommate at the time, uh, Saeed, he's like, we got to go see this. I'm like, why? He's like, we're going to go see this on opening night because it's Iron Man. I'm like, I don't care about Iron Man. Like, I don't have to go see every comic book movie. I saw the Spider-Man movies. I saw X-Men. I'm done with comic book movies. And he's like, I hear it's good. And so we go to the midnight release back when that was still a special thing. And it was actually at midnight. And the theater, it was like, you know, packed theater house. And it's at midnight. And so the AC system had turned off which was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But everyone's still watching this movie. They're all in it. They're like, wow, this is really cool. This is fun. This this is like, Iron Man's pretty dope. Like, okay, this movie felt good. And then, like, the credits start rolling, and an usher runs into the auditorium because people start standing up and walking away, and the usher yells, everybody sit down. <laughs> Trust me. And we're, everyone's like, huh? And he's like, just wait until the credits are done. Just do it. We're all like, all right, like sit back down. And then when we get that Nick Fury scene, the whole audience like erupts and what the war? That moment is 
I mean, it's never going to get recreated. I mean, they might have cool, like, end card moments from here on out. But now, like, everyone expects, like, if a movie has any hope of a sequel or, like, even hints they could have a sequel, it better have an end card. And it better have, like, better have two post-credit scenes. Like, one in between the credits and then one at the end of the credits. And, like, you're always sitting there wanting that little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then and there's, there's so movies that, moments like that. There's, it's funny to see the movies that do that extra moment thinking that they're going to go to the next movie and then <laughs> don't get that. You remember that um, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, had a post-credits scene? Where, yeah. Yeah, supposedly, you know, Professor X was dead, but then like, oh, Moira. Hello, Moira. And it's like, oh... He's not dead for some reason. How are they going to pay that one off? Like, well, they did. Or yeah. like, the craziest one for me is uh, Dragon Ball Evolution has a post-credit scene where it's like, Goku's killed Piccolo. He's dead and he's beaten and done. And then the post-credit scene is, oh, psych. Piccolo's being nursed back to health by someone else. He's alive. Like, man, you really thought you were going to get another one, and boy, you did not at all. Yeah, but the weird thing is that the Marvel movies, their post-credit scenes are not necessarily sequels for that movie. It's like the post-credit scene for Iron Man was not there was going to be another Iron Man. It was like there's going to be a completely unrelated movie that then you find out is related. So Uh it allowed them a lot more freedom to course correct if course correction was needed whereas these bad movies are like all right you just sat through crap do you want another one like no and like are you sure yeah i'm pretty sure (laughs) the only good thing about the edward norton hulk is the little sting where tony stark talks to thunderbolt ross like hey we're talking about the avengers initiative and like all right we'll pretend you're part of the party but that one, actually, that's one of the few Marvel movies that does have a setup that doesn't go anywhere because they they set up the uh, the leader in that one where one of the characters. is clearly, Yeah, it turns into another famous Hulk um, adversary, and that just got completely canned at some point. I think they just realized that ain't going to work in this universe. We're building something different and we're we're recasting the Hulk with a reliable actor who deserved a good revitalization to his career well it's also a case of universal still to this day owns the rights to any standalone hulk movie so you know and in universal apparently they don't want to explore it the same way sony has explored the idea of partnering up the way they did on spider-man universal's just like look we've tried the hulk it it doesn't work so you guys use him in anything you want him in just you know we're, we're not we're not going to try that again. Yeah. But you remember when we everybody thought, oh, I guess the Hulk just doesn't work on the big screen. And then you watch the Avengers and Mark Ruffalo comes in and he's like, I'm always angry. And everybody just loses their mind because they kept trying in every Hulk movie. It's like, oh, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Remember? Edward Norton said it in Spanish, and we're like, oh, I know what he said, because there's subtitles. And then even before that, uh, the Ang Lee one, he kept just saying it 
no, he's Ang Lee one. He said it in Spanish. The Edward Norton one, I think he said a different combination of the words. But, it, you know, it's like it wasn't recapturing the magic that people wanted. And then Mark Ruffalo comes in in the Avengers and he's like, I'm already there. I've been there. I'm always there. And that's what people really wanted. They didn't know they wanted it. But when they heard it and, you know, afterwards you say, did you see Avengers? Yeah. What was your favorite park? What was your favorite part? I'm always angry. Like, it's just such a, a resonating moment. And you know it's coming, and it's still good. So if we could go back to where you don't know it's coming, to where Edward Norton and whatever the Ang Lee movie was trying to do with itself was all you had in your mind, ooh, you get the chills. Well, I think we should wrap this up and say our goodbyes sad goodbyes not no, sad it's 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 good night but not goodbye as b arthur once said uh i like it yes so they can find us on twitter they know where we are well in case you don't it's at media underscore sandwich and um, at kyle martinak at the chris pranger at no right tweed uh the the website is uh, media-sandwich.com you can find us we're there you know we're there and we and you know what if you're having a rough time with this last week and with this last month with this last year with this last couple of years we're happy to divert your attention for a little bit we'll talk serious and then we'll talk cheeseburgers and that'll be also serious yes serious cheeseburgers and there's our title for this week Delicious. Goodbye. <laughs> I thought you were like hitting the stop recording button. <laughs> no, I am now. <laughs> oh, okay. After that, after goodbye, <laughs> McLevin. Hey, all.